Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. So I, I want us to turn to First Chronicles chapter 17. First Chronicles chapter 17. It's going to be page number 251 in your Afresh Bibles if you uh, are reading from that. Otherwise, it'll be on the ginormous Bible behind me. And uh, I, this, uh, to give you a little context and some background and, and what we're about to, to dive in, um, <clears throat> King David is, 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 has just become the, the anointed, has just entered his position as the king. He was anointed way long time ago, and then King Saul, you know, was still kind of messing around. Well, King Saul is out of the picture now, and it's just King David. King David is leading Israel, all of Israel, Israel, northern and, and, and southern Judah, and, and so he is, is finally the, the king of Israel. And so he's, he's making all these wonderful changes, doing all these things, and, and this the specific event just happened. He just moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And, and those Bible nerds know how important that is, but just to give you some context, the, the Ark of the Covenant was, was um, this, this, this thing in the Old Testament um, <clears throat> that represented the presence of God. You've seen Indiana Jones. You know what I'm talking about. The Ark of the Covenant, you okay? So, so, so David had brought the presence of God, or what represented the presence of God, to Jerusalem. And, and they were, you know, getting ready to set it up and everything like that. And David had, like, reinstituted the, you know, the proper temple worship. He recruited the fire worship team. You know, they had the lights in the haze. They got their great coffee and everything. He had people stand outside with the welcome signs, like, hey, hey, come and worship at the, you know, at the tabernacle and everything. It was, it was really good. But, but something it just, it just didn't sit right with, with David. As he, one day he was, he was in his palace, you know, as king as, as he is. He's, you know, got tons of materials and tons of things. A beautiful cedar palace. And he looks outside and he sees the presence of, of God, the Ark of the Covenant, in a, in a tent. And, 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 and this, the reason it was in a tent is because when God instituted this, this, this covenant, this Ark of the Covenant, and, and kind of instituted the way that we are to worship uh, back in, in Exodus, it, it was, they were in the, the, the wilderness, and so they, they, what God would do is he would tell them to move every so often, maybe it was a, a few days or a few hours, and he would just tell them to move, and they would move. And so they would move the Ark of the Covenant, they would move the tent, they would t- tear it down, and then you know, go over, God told them to go, and then they would set it back up. And they would have the Ark of the Covenant in there. And, and David was like, how can I live in this beautiful palace that is, that is permanent, and the presence of the Almighty God is in a, a tent? He's in a tent. So, so you know, it's, it's, David was, was so passionate, and he loved the Lord so much. He was like, I can't let this happen. I want to build a temple. I want to build a temple. And so, so, so David wants to build God a temple, which sounds like a good idea, except God was like, hey, thanks, but, but no thanks. Let me, let me just, you know, we'll do it a different way. And, you know, I've, I've never complained about having a permanent space before. It's not something I've really desired, but thank you. Thank you for wanting, me to, for wanting to build me a house. Sometimes I, I, I view God, I, I think of God as, as someone like a parent, you know, and, and you know, when, when your, your kid comes up and they draw you like, hey, dad, I drew you a picture, and you're like, oh, let me look at it, and you're like, wow, is, is that a car? And, you know, he's like, no, that's you, daddy. It's, oh, okay, this is, this is are you sure? It's, you know, and it's just, it, 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 the way it looks, you're like, oh, it's, that's cute. It's just, oh, they drew me a picture. That's me. That's so cute. I, I think God views us this way sometimes. Oh, he wants to build me. He's so cute. <laughs> He thinks he's going to build me a temple. That's all. He's, 
I just love the gesture. And so God is this loving father. I, I, and so it's, it's just funny to me. But, you know, God is like, thank you, David. Thank you for wanting to do this. But instead, I'm going to build you a house. I know you want to build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a dynasty. I'm, I'm, I took you from a shepherd boy to, to the king that you are today, and I'm going to make you a dynasty of kings because you are a man after God's, you're a man after my own heart. And so one of your sons will build the temple. That's, that's fine. I'll make his kingdom strong. And, 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 but, but for you, I, I, I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to do it. I, I want to do something else with you. And so I love this kind of response to, to, David's, uh, to David's request, but, but what I really want to look in today in 1 Chronicles 17, chapter, or chapter 17, verse 16, I really want to look at David's response. I really want to look at David's response to God's, uh, God's different plan than what David had originally asked for. So we're going to dive in here, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 16. We'll go all the way to the end of the chapter. And it says this, and, and God had just told him the news like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And, and, and verse 16 says this, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, O oh God, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. You speak as if though I were someone very great, O oh Lord God. What more can I say about the way that you've honored me? You know what your servant is really like. For the sake of your servant, O oh Lord, and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known. O oh Lord, there is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people, Israel? What other nation, O oh God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You have made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. You chose Israel to be your very own people forever, O oh Lord, and became their God. And now, O oh Lord, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family may, may be a promise that will last forever. And may your name be established and honored forever so that everyone will say the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of Israel is Israel's God. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. Oh my God, I, I've been bold enough to pray to you because you have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him, a, a dynasty of kings. David's talking about himself. For you are God, O Lord, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it is pleased to you to bless the house. I'm sorry, it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant so that it will continue forever before you. For, it, for when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it is an eternal blessing. And when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it is an eternal blessing. I have never in my life seen a better response to God's no <laughs> than this. Uh, David's like, I want to build you a, a, a temple. And God's like, no thanks. And most of us would probably be like, really? But David is like, all right, great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and you know, David is, er, and God's going to build David a dynasty. He's going he's gonna to make all of his descendants great. And if you know your Bible well, about a thousand years and 14 generations later came a baby in a manger, the savior of the world, Jesus whose kingdom will never be shaken and whose reign will never stop. He is still reigning today. And so, so I, I, I love David's response here, and I really want to talk about the, the humility that David has. 
the humility, talk about his character for a moment, the humility that David has, and he was excited for a different plan than what he originally wanted that God had for him instead of his own. Today, I, I want to talk about, in order for us to be men and women after God's own heart, it's important for us to see God for who he is and know his place, but it's also so important for us to know our place. We have to know our place. We have to see ourselves and know our place. It's important for us to see God's face, but it's just as important for us to know our place. That's what we're going to talk about today. Help me introduce this. I know Jeff said he wouldn't do this, but I'm going to anyways because it's just, it's, it, makes, it makes things awkward, and that's good. I like awkward. It, it kind of loosens us up a little bit. So help me introduce my sermon titles. Elbow your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor. Come on. Hello. Hey, neighbor. The AC units are off. I can hear you now. <laughs> hey, neighbor. Hey, know your place. Know your, who do you think you are? Know your place. Come on, neighbor. Know your place. Know your place. <laughs> oh, know your place. Let me grab some water here, and we'll pray and, and dive right in. Man, it is so quiet in here without those AC units. We'll have to, like, you know, turn a fan on or something like that. <laughs> Let me pray to open us up this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your presence that is transcendent, your presence that is all-powerful, almighty to do whatever you want to do. God, I just pray you would open up, uh, open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive what you have for us today and speak to us before we leave this place. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, all the church said, amen. Amen. Um, I just, I want to gauge my audience a little bit today. I want us to do a little activity, uh, and it's a hand-raising one. I love that one. So if, if you consider yourself a control freak, would you throw your hand up? If you consider yourself, don't lie in the, in the house of the Lord, okay? If you consider yourself, <laughs> all the hands went up. <laughs> if you consider yourself a control freak, okay, if you're raising someone else's hand, you might be the control freak. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. If, all right, let's, let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. If you are a, it is what it is, just let it be. If this is you, raise your hand. Come throw, throw your hands up. Okay, all right. We got a good balance in between the room. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, my, me and my, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's two different types of people, the, the control freaks and the let it be. And normally they marry each other. That's what, <laughs> that's what happened with me and my wife. Stephanie, she's got sticky notes and to-do lists and stuff and every, it's, it's so neat. At my desk, I just have stuff all over. I'm like, I know where everything is. Don't touch it. <laughs> and it's great because it works for both of us. But it's just, it's so funny. They, 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 they marry each other. Uh, but, but whether you consider yourself a, <clears throat> a control freak or the opposite, just kind of let it be. It is what it is. You know, it's, it's going to happen. Whatever. I can't control it. Yada, yada, yada. No matter where you identify on that scale, which is very broad, very, uh, very broad scale, um, we all have this sense of control a little bit that we at least want to have. We we want to have at least a little bit of control. Just just some in some areas, we just want to control because we're we're just that's just what we're passionate about. We want to have control in certain areas of our life. I'll give you an example. Um, I do not like when other people drive when I'm in the car. Just a just a, a thing. I every if we go anywhere, I want to drive. And it's not it's not that I don't trust anybody. I just trust me more. That's just that's just the truth of the matter. And there are certain maneuvers your pastor has to do on the road that some people just don't do. And, you know, I, like, I obey all the laws and the track. I just obey them better and faster than everybody else. That's the only thing. But I, I like to, I like to, <laughs> I like to 
I don't like being driven somewhere. I like to drive somewhere. That's just one area of, of control. I'm not really a control freak that I, that I identify with, but I, I do feel like that part of my life, I just I want to have a little bit more control than, than, than everybody else. I like to drive. I, I think tactically, not casually. And, and everyone else, they just, you know, we want to mosey on down the road. I'm like, I have somewhere to be. I do not like being on the road, so I just want to drive so I can get there faster. But we all have certain areas and certain aspects of our lives that we like to control. We like having some, you know, a little bit of of responsibility. And because we like to have control in certain areas of our lives, you know, we come up with these, some of us come up with these three-year plans, these five-year plans, 10-year plans, even some of us for our lives, because, you know, we don't want to waste our lives away. And even on a smaller scale, when you wake up in the morning, typically, you, you have a plan that you plan on executing for the day, right? I mean, you, you wake up on a Saturday and you could sleep all day or you could actually do some of that stuff on your honeydew list or on your to-do list and, and get some stuff. You know, we, we like to have a little bit of, a little bit of control, flexibility, but, but we all have this sense of control in some way, shape, or form. And, and none of this is bad, by the way. I, I encourage to, you know, to, to come up with plans and, you know, plan out your day and everything like that. But, but let me give you a... a, a a, a biblical promise, uh, and, and it's plastered all over your Bible, especially in, all over Proverbs, which is written by David's son, by the way. But uh, this, this biblical promise about you planning your life is that eventually, no matter how much control you have or want to have, you are going to run into a situation that isn't going to pan out the way you thought it would. I can promise you this, 100%, no matter what you plan, no matter what you think you have control over, there is going to be some sort of of wrench thrown in it somewhere, and it's not going to happen exactly the way that you wanted it to happen. This is a biblical promise, you know? You're going to realize there are things that are just beyond our control. And we have to be okay with that. There are things that are beyond our control. There are just going to be some things that we that do not line up with our plan, with the, the, the plan that we came up with. And I think we've all been there before. You know, the, the job, the career doesn't work out the way you thought it would. You, you thought you were going to retire there. And, you know, now, you know, 20 years early, you're, you've been laid off or you've been let go or something else has, has come up. Or, you know, maybe that significant other that you were really believing was going to be the one now they're not, no longer in the picture. And it's a, it's a huge, rude awakening for us. You know, maybe you don't get that house that you thought you were going to get. Maybe you don't get that degree that you've been studying and spending all this money on. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you just feel like you're not as far in life as you thought you would be at this point five, ten years ago. I think we can all relate in some way, shape, or form of, of just our plans not necessarily working out the way that we had hoped, the way that we had anticipated. We're all subjects for this happening to us. And I think the worst part about it is really not the, 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 where we are necessarily, but our expectations that haven't been met. I think that is the worst part is we set these expectations. For some reason, they just don't get met. And that just it kills us. It ruins us sometimes. You know, because you don't, you, don't make, you don't make a plan without expecting it to succeed. I mean, no one gets married expecting to get divorced. No one, no one takes out a loan expecting, well, hopefully, <laughs> expecting that they know they can't pay it back. You know, every year we, we make these New Year's resolutions and, you know, you're like, oh, and it's like starting now. We're like, yeah, you know, in, in two months I, I really am going to go start going to the gym. And maybe a week, two, three goes by, you're like, well, yeah, I guess. 
It's not that big of a deal. You know, but but we, we set these expectations. We do it every single year. We have good intentions. We have plans and visions and goals. And you know, we have these milestones that we want to succeed. And there's nothing bad with that. But, but as a Christian, though, as a Christian, though, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower, it gets a little sticky sometimes because we have our plans that we, that we want, to, you know, want to succeed and we want to have these work out. And then we have God's plans, which 99.999% of the time are not the same as our plans. And it gets a little sticky, though. We, we have our plans, which we believe are good plans, and a lot of the time they are, but they're just different than God's plans for us. You know, has, I, I think we've all experienced God's divine plan ruining. <laughs> I know I have in, in my life. Sometimes you can look back and say, shoo, thank you, God. My plan didn't work out. I'm so grateful. <laughs> you know, I did not, you know, end up doing what I thought I was going to do. It's a, it's a beautiful mess, and he's really good at, at ruining plans. But, you know, God's plans are the kind of plans that just sometimes seem like they're not going to work. You know what I mean? God's plans are, are the plans that just seem like they're not. Remember, remember Abraham? And he was 75 years old when, he, when, when God, and had no kids. And God was like, hey, you're going to have more grandkids than there are stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, um, what? <laughs> I'm already way past that point, buddy, and, and for a lot of reasons. And, you know, Sarah, his, his wife, was, was 65. And, and God was like, no, 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 believe me, it's, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. And, you know, Abraham, you know, 80th birthday comes up. And he's like, well, my, my, I would say my timer's ticking, but it's already ticked. It's done. The, the, the battery's dead, okay, in this thing. And, you know, 90 comes up. And finally, 99 years, he's like, I don't know, man. This, this is really not going to work. And 100 years happens. And 25, after, 25 years after God gave him that promise, and sure enough, they have Isaac. And, you know, it's the same thing with, with Joshua. You just imagine, put yourself in Joshua's shoes, and God's like, hey, I want you to take this city, but I don't want you to do it the way you think you're going to do it. Don't go with weapons. Go with instruments. What? <laughs> hey, instead of going straight through, march around. Are, are you serious? And do it seven times and sing really loud. It's, it's, trust me, it'll be great. You know, just put yourself in these shoes, in, in your shoes of, of, of God's plans just seem like logically they're not going to work a lot of the time. But our Bibles are full of stories and testimonies where they do, and they do come to fruition. And we don't always see it in the moment, and a lot of the time we don't see the full scope of God's plan until it's finished. Or maybe sometimes we'll never even see the full scope of God's plan at all, which puts us in a bind because like me driving, we like to only trust ourselves sometimes. We only like to have control. You know, everything is already calculated in your head. You've got your Q1, your Q2, your Q3, quarterly uh, statistics and, and numbers, and you've got it all in a spreadsheet and everything's color-coded. We know what we're doing. We've, we've got a degree in this. We know what we're doing. We've got our plan straightened out. But sometimes God says no. Sometimes God just says no. And that, that puts us in a bind. Because we, we, we know, we know, and, and we've been confident in things before. And we know what's supposed to happen. We know how to get to where we want to be on paper. And all of a sudden, God says no. What do you do? What do you do when, when you have your plan and it's good? And it's, it, it may already, you may, it may actually be good. But it's just different than God's plan. And God says, no. How do you take it when God gives you a no? 
How do you take it when, when, you know, when, when, when God gives you a plan that sounds ridiculous? And, you know, what do you do? How do you, what do, you do when, when God gives you a plan that's different than the one you've spent so much time on and so much energy and effort on? Do you, do you throw a pity party? <laughs> I know I do sometimes. Do you convince yourself it's a yes? Do you hear God clearly, no, don't do this? And you're like, uh, and you look at scriptures, you're like, let me take this out of context. I could make this mean yes. By the way, you can make the Bible say anything you want. You may not be right, but you can. It's true. You can prove a point. It's not going to be a right point, but you can prove a point. We, we go through the Bible like, eh, I could take this out of context and, you know, make it fit my own agenda and what I want to do and fit my plan. And, you know, we clearly heard God say no, but we convince ourselves it's a yes. Or, or, you know, maybe you try to convince God to change his answer into a yes. Like, hey, and I, I, I've really been praying about this job. I, I, I want this job. No, you, you, I don't want you to have this job. Oh, but it's going to be more money. And hey, more money I can tithe. More money I can give back to the church. You know, ha, ha, And I'm going to spend less time here. More money I can, you know, use reading my Bible and, you know, doing outreach and serving hungry people. And we, we both know that money is going straight to something else. And that time is going straight to Netflix. <laughs> but we try to convince God to change his answer. We, we already know. And all of his promises are a resounding yes and amen. But sometimes his answers are just flat out no. Sometimes his answers are just flat out no. When God has a purpose and a plan and a direction for your life that is different than your own, how do you take it? Honestly, how, how, do, how do you react? Think, think for a moment. How, how do you react when, when God gives you a different plan than what you had intended? Do you fight God? Do you resist God? Do you try to run from God? Do you try to do it on your own anyways? You know, do you throw an adult temper tantrum? Temper tantrum? We do this better than kids sometimes <laughs> when it comes to, to God. Sometimes we'll pursue our plans over God's plans anyways. And we'll look back on our lives and be like, God, why haven't you blessed me? Why haven't you blessed my plans? And it's like, well, why would God bless your plans that he clearly said no to, that you pursued anyways? You know, and it's, it kind of puts us in this, this bind. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. And I'm not saying it's not a struggle, but I am saying that when God says no, your response shows you whose input you value most. When God says no, your response to that no shows you which input you value most, whether it's you or the creator of you. <laughs> when it comes down to it, it's either you value you the most or you value God the most. And, and David had this wonderful idea, this, this immaculate idea to build God a temple. And, you know, like I said, for the last three or four hundred years, the, the presence of God or the ark that represented the presence of God had been in this tent, this raggedy old tent that's been, you know, set up and torn down, set up and torn down, and finally was in Jerusalem when they had gotten into the promised land where they were there to stay. And David's like, I want to build something that's going to be here to stay. But God said, no, God said, thank you, but, but, but no, I, I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to do it that way. And, you know, when you think about it this way, if, 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 let's put ourselves in David's shoes just for a moment. If we had this great idea and we were really, really adamant about doing this idea, regardless of anybody's input, you're the king. David, David was the king, king of Israel, had an endless amount of resources and whatever he wanted to do. He had power, status, fame. He had it all. Whatever he did or whatever he wanted to do, everyone was on board with. He didn't have, you know, a, a council. He didn't have a parliament to go through. No, back in those days, whatever the king said goes. 
And so he could have done this at any point in time that he wanted to. And he, you know, he was smart. He had good friends. And he had this prophet Nathan who said, hey, actually, God doesn't want you to do that. But at the end of the day, he could have if he wanted to. But God said no. Why would God say no to this? This sounds like a, you know, sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? I mean, not, it's, it's, it's not that it's bad or it's anything like that. And eventually the temple was built. But God was like, no, David, I don't want you to do it. I don't want you to do it. And I, I think there's a huge distinction between a, uh, we think because God doesn't go with our plan that it's a bad plan. No, sometimes we come up with good plans. Don't beat yourself up. It's just not God's plan. It's just not God's plan for your life. So, so sometimes God will say no because he has something so much better in store than what we can ever think or imagine. So God is like, thanks, but no thanks. I, I, I know this is something you wanted to do, and, and, and I'll make it happen, but it just won't be you that builds it. it your son's going to be the one that builds it. And now most of us would probably be filled with greed and bitterness. <laughs> it's still going to happen anyways, but I don't get to. Come on, this was my idea. I, I wanted to do this. Most of us would be filled with greed and bitterness, but David responds a little bit differently with, with, with gratitude and thankfulness. And I just happen to think, how many times in our lives, when God says no, are we like, thanks, thank you, I'm so grateful for this, versus when God says no, and we're like, what the heck, man, really? After all I've done for you? I found this, in my, I'll just be honest with you, and I've, I've done this in my own life as a pastor. I'd be like, come on, God, I am a, I, I'm doing your work, and, and still this does not happen the way I thought it would happen. I catch myself, I'm like, wait, that was really insensitive of me. But it, it's natural for us to be like, really? Come on, man. This, after, after all I've given for you, as if we don't realize all that God has given for us, but, but how is, is David okay with this? How can David accept God's no so gracefully and so, so peacefully? He knows his place. He knows his place. David knows his place. David knows who God is, and he knows who he is. He knows God's place, and he knows his place. He knows God is the creator, and he's just the creation. He knows his place. He knows his place. In fact, David refers to himself as God's servant. God's servant. A king. Really? God's servant. In fact, he says it eight times in the 11 verses we read. God's, I am God's servant. If there's anything David should not have to be after all he's done and, and after all that, that he's accomplished, it's a servant. A servant is a lowly job. A servant is the lowest position. David, how could you see yourself as someone in such a low position? Because David knew there was a greater king above him that reigned. And David knew his place, and David knew his place, and said, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm a king here, but I, I'm a servant for God. I am God's servant. David knew his place. And when I read this, and I see that David referred to himself as God's servant. It really got me thinking that when's the last time that we've thought of ourselves as God's servants? I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it should be a little shocking to us. You know, we refer to ourselves as, as Christians, as Jesus followers, of, as, as people of faith, followers of the way, but... When it comes to considering ourselves God's servants, we don't, we don't really do that 
very often. And, you know, I, I, I just, it, it got me thinking and it actually convicted me so much because I think in this, mm, there's this, there's this phrase that really just gets under my skin so bad. And I'm not trying to be mean if anyone said it, like, you know, whatever, there's, there's I'm, I'm not trying to insult you or anything, but, but this phrase, I'm not being fed. Have you heard this before? And, you know, we'll, we'll leave churches because, oh, I'm, I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. And I just, if you, if you, if you have to, to leave the church and you come and tell me like you should and, and, and you know, and, and come really nicely and, and, and tell me, just lie to me. Don't tell me that. Lie to me. If it's something else, I don't care. Don't tell me you're not being fed. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, but I, I mean that is a, in a how, how have we gotten so far into where we think that when we come into this place, it is God's responsibility responsibility to serve us instead of us our responsibility to serve him have we lost our way so much that we think it's his job to bless us it's his job to 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 perform miracles in our lives it's his job to do x y and z in our lives or i'm going to be upset i'm going to be mad i'm going to be angry at god and you know we the the american church has, has been so bad at this and i know every pastor nowadays blames the american church like it's whatever but i'm just just be, sit with me for a moment. You know, we, we, we come into church and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sit through these services or experiences or gatherings or whatever we call them nowadays. And, you know, we'll sit there and be like, hmm, this music is not what I like. <laughs> or they don't play the songs that I hear on the radio. Or they, they don't play the songs I like to hear. Or they, they, the music's too loud. The music's too soft. Or, you know, the, the coffee's too strong. The coffee's too cold. Or, we, you know, the pastor talks too long. Or he makes me feel bad. He reads passages that I don't align with my theology. And we get in these binds. And, 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 and it's like we, we're like, okay, we'll leave. And then we'll go to another church. And it's like a restaurant. Like we sit down to be served. And if the service is good, we'll tip well. We'll be back next week. That's what we've turned church into. Is it's God's responsibility to serve me. Have we lost our place so much that this is how we view relationship with God? This is how we view church. This is how we view God. We have lost our place if we think this way. We have lost our place. And the problem is, is we've, in this culture, we've developed lazy Christians who are more committed to a good program than to the gospel. We're more committed to the church than, than to Christ. We're more committed to a good program instead of the gospel. When's the last time we referred to ourselves as servants of God and put ourselves and saw ourselves in the place that we need to be? This is how we become men and women after God's own heart, by seeing God for who he is and seeing us for who we are. We owe him everything, every part of our lives. We've been bought with a price. It's all yours. We're servants. We're servants, and we have to refer ourselves as servants. David, the king of Israel, can have anything he wants, can do anything he wants, referred to himself as a servant. He was one of the greatest kings to ever reign, still to this day, and considered himself a servant of God. Even the king of kings, Jesus, 
referred to himself as a servant. If we were to model anyone, model Jesus, for goodness sake. You know, when, what kind of king leaves his throne because of the, the separation that has happened due to our sin, due to our nature, and he loves us so much to leave his throne in heaven to come and pay a price that we owe? What kind of king does that? A king that serves, a king that loves what kind of king washes feet the night he's going to be betrayed and killed? Give up his life. <laughs> the king that serves. Jesus is a servant. Jesus was a servant when he was here on this earth. What we don't deserve, Jesus still serves us. It's not something we should expect. It's just something he does. And so in response, we should serve him. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples in Mark 10. He says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have got to know our place. God is God, and we are not, certainly. <laughs> And, and we don't deserve to be served, but we serve because we received what we don't deserve. And you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. You're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And I don't mean just, you know, serving on a team at the church, serving on the worship team, on the welcome team, on the production team, the kids. Like, that's all great, but I mean, it's so much more than that. It's the heart of serving, the heart of, God, I am, I am, your, I am at your service. Tell me what you need me to do. I, I am here because I am your servant. It's great to serve in church, but it doesn't stop there is what I'm getting at. Your will be done, not mine. But David, out of love and respect for the Lord and with a servant's heart, was able to accept God's no. He was able to accept God's no because he knows his place. He's a servant. He'll do whatever it takes and whatever he's tasked with, even if that means he's got to take a back seat for a little bit. That's just David's heart. And remember, God said, oh, oh, the temple, it's going to be built, just not by you. It'll be built by your son. Your son's going to build it. And, you know, again, like that sounds like a slap in the face to some of us. This is where we see David's true intentions. Because while most of us would have been like, why, God? Why, why can't I build it? Why can't I do this? David, no, no, no. David says this. Okay, what can I do to help? What's, what's the plan here? What do you need me to do? Which, which, which shows because David was in it for the result, not the recognition. David was in it for the result. A true servant's heart is in it for the result, not the recognition. David just wanted the house for the Lord. That's all, he, that's all he dreamed of. It's what he desired. He didn't care who built it. <laughs> he didn't care if it was him. He didn't care if it was Solomon. He didn't care if it was someone who's way more qualified than he is. He just wanted it to be built. He just wanted a house for the Lord. He wanted a permanent place for the Lord. And I think this is where Christianity gets really sticky here because I feel like a lot of us, and I'm not trying to condemn us or anything like that, but I feel like a lot of us are in it for the recognition, not the result. A lot of us are in it for the image, not for the impact that Christianity, that following Jesus, that having a relationship with Jesus has. We love the recognition and the image. How many times do we do things solely for the recognition? When you're at work, how many times when the trash needs empty and it's like no one's doing it, and you're like, oh, fine, I guess I'll do it, and you make a big deal about it. You, know, you, get, the, you, you get the trash back. So everyone sees, you know, they're all like, oh, oh, so-and-so is going to take out the trash. And you're just like, you know, take out the trash. And you throw it over your shoulder like Santa Claus. And you're like, hey, guys, don't worry, I got the trash. I got the trash. We take out the trash and we're, because we, we do it for the recognition. We don't care about the trash. We want everyone to see that. We want everyone to think that we care about the trash. 
or, or you know, um, when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, when, when it comes to, to praying for people, you know, a lot of the time, and again, this gets sticky, but when you pray for people in public, what are you praying for? Are you praying for this person because you care about the results, or are you praying so that everyone else sees that you're praying for them, you want the recognition? Or when you give in church, when, when you give, are you giving for the result because you really want to partner with the kingdom of God, or are you giving so that everyone else will see that you're giving, like the Pharisees did? But I'll just leave that there. You know, what, what are we doing things for? Andy Stanley says this. He says, what do you, ask yourself, what are you doing this for? And then add a really at the end. What are you doing this for, really? What are you doing this for, really? And, you know, it, 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 it feels good to, to, to show people that, that we care, to have the recognition. It feels good to impress people. But servants don't care about the recognition. They just care about serving. They just care about the result. They just care about what, what needs to get done gets done. They don't care who sees or who, who, who gets the recognition or the credit or anything like that. So, so, so servants don't care who sees. And David didn't care. He's like, I don't care if I get the recognition for, for building the temple or Solomon gets it. I just, I want it done. This, I want to partner with you, God. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And, and sometimes God will say, I, I know this is what you want to do, but I'm going to give this to you instead. I'm going to ask you to do this instead. I, I hear you. I hear your prayers. I know what, you're, what you really desire, but, 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 but this is what I, I want you to do instead. And your response to God's plan will tell you if you're in it for the result or if you're in it for the recognition. If we decide to go with our plan, we want people to see what we have to do. We want to be able to, to look at the end of our life and say, yeah, I had a great life. I did that. I did that. We do it for the recognition. Versus if we partner with God's plan and, 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 and do what he asks us to do, we're in it for the result. God, whatever you want to do, how, how can I be at your service? If we, we truly know our place and we truly have a servant's heart, we will embrace any role that God puts us in. Even if that means serving someone else, doing the thing that we wanted to do. This is what having a servant's heart looks like. And David, knowing that he wasn't going to be building the temple, still bought the land for it anyways. He still gathered all the supplies. In fact, he gathered most of the supplies. Solomon really didn't have to do much other than just tell people what to do. <laughs> Pretty easy job if you ask me. But David was so committed to the purpose, and David was so committed to the result. It didn't matter what his job looked like or what his position looked like. He just wanted to be a servant. He wanted the result. He wanted the result. And I just can't help but to think how many of us would be that dedicated if you know, someone at, at, your, at your job gets the promotion that you've been praying for, you've been asking for, and now all of a sudden they're your boss. How well do you serve them? Do you serve them with contempt and bitterness, or do you serve them with gladness because they're your superior and you want to please them? If you have a, if you have a CEO and you manage, you know, a thousand different employees, and every one of your employees thinks that they can be CEO better than you can, you're going to have a really terrible, a really terrible uh, business because everyone's not going to do their, their role. They're going to try to take on your role. We have to do our Parts. Colossians, uh, Paul writes this in Colossians 3.23. He says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And I, I'd like to add, even for yourself. Work willingly at whatever you do as if, they were, as, if, 
as, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people or rather than for yourself. Because wherever God asks you to be, it's important that we have a servant's heart and we know our place. I want to do an illustration as we kind of close out. Can I get the worship team to come up here real quick? Um, I, I want to, everyone, I want to really, really drill into us. Everyone has their place. Everyone has their place. And everyone has a specific role that we are to play. And so let's just, let's just mess around here for a little bit. Let's just say I'm not, but just say I'm God. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking the role as a, as a music conductor. And, and I tell Leslie, hey, we're going to play the third song, which was um, All Hail King Jesus. What? No, play <laughs> And I, I tell her to do, to play whatever song that I, I ask her to do, and she plays something different because she thinks she knows best. It's not that it's bad. It sounds great. Is this an old hymn? Oh, which one? Great is your faithfulness. Oh, it's so pretty. She's great at this, and it sounds good. In her mind, it's a good plan, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty. That's not what I asked her to play, <laughs> which isn't that big of a deal until we get another person in the mix, and we, I talk to Noah, and I say, hey, I want you to play the third song. But Noah's like, okay, I think I know, <laughs> I think I know what's best. And, and Noah plays what he thinks is best. But it's not what I asked him to play. <laughs> but Noah knows best, right? Even though he's in the role of guitarist for the worship team, and whatever this is, it sounds great on its own, but mixed with Leslie, it's, it's, it doesn't really jive that well. Okay, and we'll move to Justin. Justin, I want you to play the third song. It'll be real light, real airy, and, and Justin's like, okay, I'm going to... And so, as, as God, I'm trying to conduct this, this great song, but everyone else just decides they want to do their own thing. <laughs> and while my plan is to play the third song, we've got whatever the heck this is. All right, now hang on just a moment. Hang on just a moment. Now, if, if Leslie were to, I know, it's, it's not much, and I know you're off to the side in the dark, and it's not really glamorous. Heck, Justin's in a cage because he smells so bad. It's not glamorous, <laughs> but it's where he's been called to be. And, and Noah, it, you're, you, it's, it's not always glamorous, but it's where you've been called to be. So, so Leslie, when I ask you to play the third song, and you're like, okay, yes, God, I'll do as you ask, even if it's not necessarily what I want to do. I'm a servant. It's simple, but it's what I asked her to do. And same with, with Noah, if I, if I say, hey, I just really need you to play Oh Praise the Name for me. And just give me some simple swells. I know it's glamorous, it's not much, but it's what I need you to do. Don't, don't rush. And I come over here to Justin and I say the same thing. I just need light, man, not much. Now we've created a beautiful symphony because we were just obedient to where God called us to be. Different places. Oh man, it's way different places. 
and, and Justin can't be jealous of Noah and Noah can't be jealous of Leslie and Leslie can't be jealous of Justin. We just all have to do what God's called us to do. And all of a sudden we have this beautiful song. Forevermore, for endless days, we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Now we're able to sing the song and we'll bring it down a little bit so I can get to my last point. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you keep playing. I'm just, yeah, keep, you know, you're good, you're good. God is creating something beautiful in your life. We just have to know our place. Oftentimes, God's, God works not just with you. We can get in this mindset where God's only talking to us, God's only working with us. It's not true. God's working with every person. This church is a result of that. It's, it's a great example, too. If, if, if we are constantly just being where God asks us to be because we're faithful servants, we want to please him. We know our place. We know his place. All of a sudden, people's lives start to become changed because we're not all up here trying to, trying to preach. We're not all up here trying to play. We're not all in the front trying to welcome everybody. It'd be so overwhelming. We're not all in the back trying to, trying to, trying to uh, teach kids. We're not all out here singing as, as, as loud as we can. We all have different places to be within the church that God has called us to be. And then what happens is we go out into our communities. We go to our jobs we live out the greatest commandment, or I'm sorry, the, the, the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because we knew our place. And all of a sudden, Winchester gets changed because we're faithful to where God called us to be because we knew our place. We knew our place, we our servants, we're not in it for the recognition. We're in it for the result. We're in it for the result. And the result is revival that happens. When God comes in and he makes dead things alive, he makes old things new again. All when we know our place. If, if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, absolutely we have to see God for who he is. That is so important. When it pertains to our life and, and where we go and, and what we do, the Holy Spirit is with us, giving us guidance. The Proverbs says, fools despise wisdom. I can't think of any more, anyone more wise than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so when he's telling us things that he wants us to do, it's not because he's trying to control our lives. He's trying to create a beautiful symphony of what happens when God's children come together and they all play their part and they all do their role because they're servants. Because of David's obedience, God gave him a blessing. Because David wasn't like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm gonna build your temple anyways. No, 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 because he was obedient. He said, all right, I'll, I'll take a back seat on this one. A thousand years later, 14 generations later, came the savior of the world in a, in a manger through his line because of the faithfulness 
to just stay where, where he's placed. Stay put and know his place. Now, I don't know if David was thinking a thousand years into the future when he said, all right, God, I'll take a back seat. <laughs> but I'm sure he's up in heaven right now like, wow, I'm so glad I did. I can promise you, you'll never regret trusting God's plan over your own. God's plan will always lead to better results 100% of the time. I can promise you this. And who knows, it may have an impact a thousand years later for something great to happen. I don't know. I, I, I don't think we should think that far into it, although it'd be kind of cool to imagine, but just think about your right now. How can I be a man or a woman after God's own heart in this moment? Knowing who God is, knowing who I am, knowing my place, how can I be a servant? How can I be of your service, God? Your will be done, not mine. It's all yours, Jesus. This is our challenge today. If you want to stand up on your feet, this is our, this is our challenge today. We all make plans every single day. And Proverbs says that, that, you know, man will make his plans, but the Lord will order, order his steps. And I love that. I, I love that, that it says he'll, he'll order his steps, not his whole entire life plan, <laughs> but just the next step, next two steps, maybe just half a step. He'll order that. It says in Psalms 119 that the, your word is a, a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Not a spotlight, but just a little lamp, just so I can see where I'm about to step. So I think if, if we want to be men and women after God's own heart, we have to be willing to surrender our plan, to surrender what we may want to do and embrace our place wherever God wants us to be. Because we'll create a beautiful symphony together. I believe if we, <clears throat> I believe if we do this, and, and, and I mean truly, truly do this, we live this out, we're gonna see our city changed. I'm, I'm serious. I know that's big ambitions, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm that confident in the Holy Spirit and what the Lord wants to do. But we've got a responsibility for ourselves too to partner with him and be where he wants us to be. So that's our challenge today. Know your place. Know your place. Jesus, we thank you so much for this, this room. We thank you so much for your, your word and your scriptures and your Holy Spirit that is moving right now. God, we thank you that you loved us too much to leave us where we were and that we are where we are now. Maybe we're not necessarily thrilled with where we are in, in terms of progress in our life, and I use that term loosely. But I, I'm just so glad that we are here right now to hear this word, to hear what you want us to do, what, how, how you want us to live for you and be your servants, Jesus. 
I'm grateful for this moment that we have. I pray that you would empower us to go out and live this life to the fullest. Live this life abundantly with your presence. God, I pray for the, the, everyone in this room, for our relationship with you. That can be renewed or maybe set up for the first time today. And I'm just going to speak to you for a moment. If, if you're in this room and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to really, really encourage you to start one today. It is going to be the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life. And I'm not exaggerating. The Savior of the world, the creator of the world, loved you enough and knows all your error, all your wrong, all your sin, and still came down from his throne to sacrifice himself so that you can be forgiven of it. He knows everything you've done. He still loves you that much anyways. And he's offering a relationship with you today. And he wants his presence to come into your life and to guide you and to lead you and to comfort you and to encourage you and to be your advocate today. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, it's never too late, never too early to start your relationship with Jesus. But I really, really want to encourage you to start it right now. Don't live another moment in this life without him who is the way, the truth, and the life. I promise your life will be so much greater with him. And so if that's you today, it's not a weird thing you have to do. It's not a weird prayer you have to pray. It is literally just saying in your heart, God, I trust you and I turn from my ways and I start to follow you today. And I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue your presence. I'm going to pursue your spirit because I want to be closer to you. We, don't, we, we can't earn righteousness. We don't have to do all these good things in order to earn our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's, it's freely given. It's a free gift. All we just have to do is accept it today. And same if, you, if you've been, you've considered yourself a Jesus follower in the past, a Christian in the past, but you're just not really, you're, you're not really there. It's never too late to, to restart. And it looks exactly the same way. It's a free gift of forgiveness. You are accepted. The Bible says you are God's masterpiece. He created you with greatness in mind and he wants to be with you today. So I want to really encourage you not to leave this place without accepting that free gift of forgiveness and experiencing the true life that comes with our Savior. God, I pray you'd empower us and give us the, the, the ability to, uh, to lay down our lives and, and, and live for you, to take up our cross and live for you, to be your servants today. Humble ourselves. Humble us, God. Let us be your servants today. That's all we want to be. We want to live our lives in a way that honors you. So God, be with us as we are sent out. Let us be that light in the world. Let us be that salt of the earth. 
use us to make a difference. We're here for you. We love you. We praise you. We give you all of who we are. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, powerful name, all the church said amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much He loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. Thank you.